0: Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and my guest today is just such a special individual. I literally cannot wait to introduce you to this guy. This is Wilson Calixti. He is the new owner and chef at Les Voltaire, and he is just a fountain of knowledge that I cannot wait to unleash on you guys. Wilson, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: So I'm I- glad to be here. I'm so glad that you are here, and I just I just want to set the stage real quick just how crazy it is that you are here at this time right now. You were born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Yep. You grew up and got your start cooking in New York. You honed your craft at Le Voltaire, a uh, classic French restaurant for the last 11 years, and now you own it. Yes. I mean, th- that is like a crazy path that is brought here, but I just wanted to start off by saying congratulations so much. You are a restaurant owner now.
1: Thank you. It feels... It feels good is, you know, the past six months working on this with my partners and going through the law, you know, the mechanism of owning a business, you know, meetings after meetings and being exhausted and to finally get here. And I remember when I first signed the, the paper with Cedric, I'm like, you know, I cry. You know, it's like even till this day right now this morning, I'm still emotional because like I never believed, I've always believed in myself, you know, but to have people believe in me, but also being able to accomplish your dream to be in own, you know, have your own business—it's something you're passionate about. It's it's incredible.
0: How long have you had the dream of owning a restaurant? You
1: know, when I when I was a kid growing up, you know, I was I was always in the kitchen with my mom, but cooking wasn't something that I wanted to do. You know, my first dream was to be, you know, an engineer. You know, make cars drive the hottest car, just live life, you know what I mean, just be a big-time guy, you know. But but during, after high school, you know, I was looking for work at that time. You know, at that time, I didn't have my papers as far as legal documents to work. So the only thing I could find was working in the kitchen, and you know, as a dishwasher. And from there, I developed a passion for food. You know what I mean? I say, you know what, I got to do what I got to do to put food on the table. And I had my first child at 20. I had my first son at 20, and that drive of to, to be successful, you know, drive, keep keep me driving. And here I am today.
0: So you, like I mentioned, you worked at Le Voltaire for 11 years before yeah. becoming the owner. You've spent over 20 years working in the restaurant industry so far. Can you imagine going back to yourself at age 18 and telling yourself, hey, just hang in there. And in 2021, you're actually going to own your own restaurant?
1: I mean, when I was 18 and... I, I didn't believe owning a restaurant yet, but I my belief was that I have to work. I don't want to stay home or do whatever. I want to. I have to work, whereas the pay was low. I mean, can imagine back then, 18 years old, I was making my first job, you know, as a dishwasher. I was making two dollars and fifty cents an hour. Think about it. (laughs) That's not much. (laughs) Two dollars and fifty cents an hour. That barely buy anything. Right. But back then, money was goes a little further than it is today, you know, inflation over the years. But that's a big thing to go to, you know, New York City. I mean, there's a saying in New York City, if you could make in New York City, you could make anywhere else, and I do believe in that. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, we're going to definitely get into your story because your story is a very fascinating one, but just at the start here, I just want to introduce your restaurant to any listeners who maybe have not eaten at Les Voltaire. Maybe it's been a while since they've been there. So I'm just kind of going to open it up to you and just kind of describe Les Voltaire. For someone who has never eaten there before, how would you describe the restaurant?
1: I mean, the restaurant is, is very family oriented. Uh, we, we see each other. You know, I see the staff morning. I see my own kids and wife. Uh, it's a... Uh, it's a classic French restaurant, but it's also more country, meaning it's comfort food you know you could go in there you know and I'm saying get some French onion soup uh, things like that. So when I first started working there, I kind of started putting my own influence as far as being Haitian also you know being also African also you know what I'm saying, so I started putting that spin into it, and also the fact that you know Haiti you know, technically it was kind of by the French. So we have that French culture. Also, we have the African culture. So little, little by little, I was putting my own spin and people liked it. And uh, I never revealed from what French food is about, you know, beef burgundy, things like that. So we keep it, we keep it the same. And our idea was to make, not overcharge the customers. So I think a lot of time people think French restaurants, they're gonna spend a ton of money and get very little food. You know what I mean? That's what the perception people have in terms of French restaurant. But for us, you know, that wasn't the goal. The goal is to make good food, comfort food that if you go to France, you go to the countryside, you could get big cocova. you know what I mean? Things like that. So that's what that was the appeal for us to the customers. And we've been there 20 years and said we so did a good job as far as holding on the place and me coming on board kind of helps and I've been doing this for eleven years, and finally now, you know, I go, I get to drive. You know, I get get to to be the the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: Uh, Now you mentioned, like, there's kind of this perception. I think with French food that you know, it's it's kind of stuffy. It's kind of hoity-toity. You're gonna pay a lot of money for this. But you guys were doing something different. It was more comforting. It was more country. Yeah. When did you start to see? perceptions begin to change where people weren't coming into La Voltaire where it's like, okay, this has to be my anniversary dinner or this is birthday dinner or something. It can be like, no, this is just a Thursday night and we just want to have a good meal and just go out and have a good time. We're not gonna break the bank. We don't necessarily have to get dressed up. We're just gonna have a good time. When did you start to see those perceptions change?
1: I say I see the perception change, probably before I got there, but I see more of it when I got there on the second year when I saw you know, people noticed that who's back there doing the food. You know, they see an African guy doing the food. You know, they don't know if I'm French or not. You know what I'm saying? But being able to be relate to people. So I think in any business, you have to be able to relate to the customers because you get feedback, whether they're good or bad. But being able to take those feedback, those criticism, and improve your craft helps. And when I talk to people, I mean, I'm a people's person. So when I talk to people, people usually have good interaction with them. So, them coming back on a consistent basis. Live hotel, 90% of our customers, we pick customers. And we got customers been coming there 15 years, 10 years, almost 20 years, some of them. And uh, we get to know their kids, you know what I'm saying, their parents or things like that, go to the house and make dinner for them. So, it's more of a community restaurant, you know what I'm saying? And once people try it, they like it, the fact that, one, it's not too expensive. You're not going to spend a ton of money on it. Plus, you get more than enough food, you know. Plus, we have a waste staff that's been there for years and years. Lisa, Nick, Elizabeth, you know, those type of people, they've been there. And they stick with me also. So, the transition from being a chef to the chef owner was easy in terms of that situation.
0: And I can definitely speak to the customer service angle and just that feeling of family angle. And that the last time I my wife and I had been to Le Voltaire. We, we went this past weekend um, on Friday for dinner. The last time we'd been was before the pandemic. So we're talking, you know, probably a year and a half, maybe even two years ago. And we came in and Nick, the general manager, remembered our names. And that just like blew my mind that he would have that good of a memory and that good of personal attention to each customer. So I think that that just is a tiny microcosm of, just the overall yeah. vibe and familial atmosphere that exists at Les Voltaire. Yeah. Um, so now more about your background. I I want to get into <laughs> I- into Wilson. So, like I mentioned, you grew up in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and yeah. moved to New York when you were 10. But you mentioned, you know, you spent time with your mom in the kitchen when you were young, and that's kind of where you have some of your first food memories. Yeah, what is it about Haitian cuisine that made such an impact on you that you've continued to continue to cook it and continue to try to find ways to meld it into some of the menu at Le Voltaire?
1: I mean, Haitian food is a combination of French influence and African influence. When the slaves were coming there, you know, we take the you know the French influence and we combine them too, and uh, and Haitian. F- Cooking is more down to earth. It's a lot of braising, a lot of spice, because Haiti is hot year-round. So we eat spice, you know, to keep to keep ourselves warm. But it's more of a celebration. So whenever we're eating, we have pickles, and we drink. You know, we drink Haitian rum. And it's more for, for us, the idea of life is to live life, and not to always worry about bills and this. And I'm saying, because it drives you crazy. But for us, it's more of, you know, the woman always cook in the kitchen, and the, the guys always working, you know, and when they're home in the downtime, they play dominoes, things like that, so I was always in the kitchen because I was always fascinated, but cooking wasn't something I want. I wanted to do as a living, but being in the kitchen with my mom, my mom always inspired me, and too bad that she passed away at a young age, I mean, I, she, she passed away when I was 10 years old, and that memory I had with her, you know, she was the only woman that I remember, never complained. Maybe she complained to my dad, but <laughs> I never seen a woman complain. I never seen her bitch about stuff. It's good my language, but you know I've never seen that that from her. So that's why for me, when moving to the state, you know what I'm saying at a young age, it was worth in New York. You know I was able to take that experience, never complain. You do what you gotta do, and. Life all, life will get better. Situation is only temporary. You know, and so that's what I take away from her, mm-hmm. you know.
0: I think especially in the restaurant industry, that is a very important mindset to have because it, it is very tough. The hours are intense. You already mentioned the wages can be very minimal. People love to complain about restaurants. <laughs> like, there are a lot of things that can really beat you down about this industry, but clearly you haven't allowed it to to beat you up. How much did your mom make an impact on you at such an early age?
1: I mean, my mom make a big impact on me because when I was always around around her because my dad was working. But my mom never complained. You know what I'm saying? So seeing that, and I know how hard it is in, in Haiti, especially for the woman, always in the kitchen, and you're not making a lot of money, even if the dad is working. So being a culture, it teaches you, you know, how to work hard. You know what I'm saying? So after my mom died, I was in the state. I could not go see her because at that time, my papers, my legal papers wasn't right. So, so I've n- never got a chance to pay my respect. But the energy I took from her, the experience that I took from my parents, you know, is real. You know, my dad is... I'm almost like my dad. My dad's always smiling. He'll give you a shot of his back. He'll give you his last $20. That's just the way he is. You know, so I took that personality and I took the hard work from my mom as far as never complain. Complaining doesn't change anything. You know, if I don't have control of it, why complain about it? So I have that mindset. And working in this business, people don't realize that they little pay, one. People don't really respect you for your job. It's long hours. So when you get home... You on your feet all day, eight ten hours a day, and uh, you don't realize over the years it takes a toll on you. But you have to have passion for it, you know. And then that's one reason why I stick with it. You know, despite all the obstacles, you know, I stick with it. You mm-hmm. know? Now here I am now, you know, only in my own restaurant. It's like it feels good. It, every time I think about it, I get emotional. I'm like, man, my journey is like, woof. And I'm sure other people have maybe worth a whafer journey than me. But to be able to be in a country like this and being able to thrive and do things, you know what I'm saying? Only you could stop yourself. Right, right. What brought you to New York? New York, uh, my, my older sister was living in the state you know, before us. Uh, and I had, I had brothers from, and sisters from from same father but different mother. They were living here. So it was easy for me, it was easy for me to come to the state New York. That's where they lived at. So they were able to help me go and go to school. So that's how I ended up in New York.
0: So you mentioned you had some problems with your papers that uh, restricted what kind of job opportunities you could get coming out of high school. But then you just happened to end up with a job as a dishwasher. And you are just talking about the passion. You clearly have such a passion for this industry. But that, that first job was more out of necessity, out of passion. When did you realize that, Maybe cooking was your passion, and this was something more than just a job, but it could, be,
1: it could be something that you actually loved. So I realized that on the fifth year of me being in the industry, and I was working uh, as a line cook in a, more like a French fusion restaurant in, in Brooklyn, and eventually I became the sous chef. And then the chef left a couple of years later. Then I became the chef. Then I started managing two restaurants, And that's when I realized, wait a minute. I could actually do this shit. It's not easy, but I could do it. So despite not having papers then, you know, and I said to myself, I could do it. And if everything I've done, people love it. And I think it's a combination of my personality and also the passion you have for something. In any line of work, if you're passionate about it, you will be good at it. But if you just look at it as a, as a job, just making money, you're not going to be good at it. Anything, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a chef, lawyer, you have to have passion for what you're doing. And I've developed that passion and being able to surround myself with people. Like I get energy from people. And during the pandemic, it was hard because I used to do like parties at my house every other week, invite people over my house. My wife likes like, do you ever stop? Do you ever get a... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. But with the pandemic, it was kind of hard. Right. You know what I'm saying. But it also helped me slow down a little because I was moving 100 miles an hour every week, even when I'm off. You know what I mean. So people give me energy. So that's why I love being around people. If I'm by myself, like, you know, my energy is down. But with people, I get energy. And I think with this industry, you so you spend so much time being around people, where you develop that skills being able to talk to people, you know? So.
0: Well, you definitely radiate, radiate that energy right back. I think whatever you take in from other people, you're giving right back to them. So it's kind of a, a balance. It's, mm-hmm. it's a cycle that just keeps going. Yeah. So, I mean, take me back to those first couple of years. You're, you're starting as a dishwasher and you, you know, you start moving up the ladder. You mentioned then you're a line cook, then you're a sous chef, then you become a chef how are you leveling up your cooking game during this time? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but it didn't sound like you were doing a ton of cooking. Like, you spent some time in the kitchen with your mom, but you weren't doing a ton of cooking beforehand. How did you start to learn different types of cuisine and take your cooking to the next level?
1: I mean, the way I've learned it is I've, I've, I've listened to people. So whoever I work with, you know, I've listened to what they're saying and I watch. And I think part of it is a skill. You know, there's certain, certain things you can't teach somebody, you know what I'm saying? So to have that, that ability to listen and see what, what somebody else is doing and do it and add a little bit of what you think might work, make it your own, it's incredible, you know what I'm saying? I didn't go to school when I was cooking. You know, when I moved here, I went to Metro for a few years. I never really finished because I was working at night. And I can't just stop working just to go to school because I got a family to take care. But you learn, some of the best chefs in the world learn from others. You know what I'm saying? And I think having the ability to listen and observe and watch and apply that, you know, it's powerful. And I think, you know, as chefs and cooks in this industry, you know, I think sometimes we take that for granted. You know, because we live in a world, sometimes people want to see this piece of paper that says who you are but as long as you believe in yourself you could achieve anything so over the years of learning from different people different skills and things like that so I start working on my own skills I start honing my own skills then eventually you know I, I got the opportunity to be a line cook you know then I worked my way up to a sous chef and I worked my way up to a chef and I was managing two two independent restaurants in Brooklyn you know, before I moved to Omaha so I already had the skill set already and I've still learned from Cedric. But I think the most important thing I've learned over the years at Voltaire is how to be a businessman. Because you could be a great chef, but if you don't know how to manage a business, you know, it's almost unrelevant. Uh-huh. You know? So I've learned the business aspect of payroll. I've learned, you know, the the managing staff. And a part of being a chef is Managing staff, managing egos, because everybody got egos. Everybody (laughs) want to do something different, you know. Managing that, but also being able to be creativity, you know, on the plate, and also personality matters. And I mean, so to me, I don't think I'm the greatest chef because I'm not. But I think my personality and the way I push life give me a leg up compared to other people.
0: Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit more about just all the all the other responsibilities that come with being a chef, because I I think what you just said is absolutely right. I think when most people hear the term chef, the first thing they think, and probably the last thing they think is food. They're thinking, okay, this person can cook. They have to be creative. They have to be able to come up with, you know, different menu concepts, but there's so much more that goes into it. There's, you have to learn how to manage payroll. You have to deal with, you know, legal stuff. You have to deal with permits, staffing, managing egos. Like, can you just talk about learning all those other skills um, that go
1: alongside and even beyond cooking? I mean, for me, cooking is easy because it's my passion. But I think being a chef is hard because you have to learn how to manage people, manage ego. And you yourself as a chef, I have an ego too. But you will never see it because I'm always smiling and I'm very humble. And I think being humble helps me along the way because if you're not humble, it's hard to get people to work for you. Because you know? in the kitchen, you cannot do it by yourself. I don't care how skillful of a chef you are. You cannot do it by yourself in the kitchen. It's a team. So being able to have people work for you and listen to you. Yeah, are they always going to listen to you in everything? Probably not. You know what I mean? But being able to them to influence them for them to work for you and you know, kinda understand your vision, it's important. Too, you have to think about full cost. The two biggest drivers in a restaurant is payroll and full cost. Because nobody wanna work for free. You know what I'm saying? And you have to pay people decent wages just to come in and work eight hours, five days a week and being on their feet. Because you on their feet, they're on their feet. You know what I'm saying? And I've always believed a hands-on chef is a great chef because now you're in the kitchen with them. So you live by example. So if the, if the cook see you doing this, dish, doing dishes, cleaning bathroom, I do all. I do dishes. I do, I clean bathroom. I do whatever it takes. For, for me, it's not about the job title or whatever that's beneath me. You know, as an owner, you got to do everything. You got to do payroll. You know, when payroll's time for payroll, you know, if you don't have the money to pay yourself, guess what? Can't, can't pay yourself, but the staff got to get paid. Things got to get done. So, you develop that mentality. And I think over the years, working at Voltaire, especially working at Voltaire and watching Sedgwick does it, and uh, I don't ask a lot of questions with him, but watching that, I've learned from that. You know what I'm saying? Him and, him and I, we very close. So I was, it was easy for me to transform from the chef of Voltaire to chef owner because I've been doing it. Now, it's, it's still not easy because you still got, at the end of the day, everything falls on you. You know? Mm-hmm. But everybody has opinion. Everybody op- has opinion of how we should do things. But under the day, guess what? If things falls apart, it's my fault. If things worked out, it's me. But if, some, if somebody in the kitchen do something or soup, uh, the customers like it, I give that person that credit. Because it's important to acknowledge your staff. If you can't acknowledge your staff, then at some point they feel like they're not being valued. You give them ownership.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something that you've mentioned a couple times already that I really like is you've mentioned that you're not even necessarily, as you're doing, as you're learning, whether it's cooking or whether it's learning how to manage a restaurant, so much of your learning comes not from just asking questions, but just from observing and watching. And I think that that's so important because it can be so easy to fall into the trap of just kind of putting your head down and working. And I think that that... That's true in any line of work and that Mm -hmm. you can just get so heads down on your job, on your tasks that you have to get done, that you're not really paying attention at what's going on around you and clearly watching what's going on around you and observing and kind of taking mental notes is something that's really helped you throughout your career. How did you
1: establish that mindset? I mean, I think part of that mindset, because I I wasn't born here, so I didn't have legal status, you know? So, I realized that being a country, you're not, you don't have certain status as far as legal work, legal papers. So, the only way you could make it, you had to find a way to make it. In any situation, there's a way to make it. You just have to figure out what works. And I've learned that you actually learn more by watching somebody doing the work and paying attention, then asking questions, how to do this, how to do that. you better off. Listening and just watch, cause you, you could take a lot from watching somebody else doing it. Now whether they're doing it bad or not, but at least you're watching, at least you're learning, and you could take what works for you. What that doesn't work for you, you could just leave it to the side. But at least you're learning something, and we all can learn. I mean, I learned from a child, and I, I could learn from an adult. You know, you don't you never stop learning till you die. So I've always had that mindset that you're always learning. I'm still learning right now. You know, mean, even as a chef, as an owner, there's still things that I need to work on, I need to be able to do, and, it, you know, I might make a few mistakes because I'm, I'm human, but at least you learn from it, you know, and that, that's where I take it from it. you know, because I didn't go to s- cooking school and, you know, get a degree in cooking, you know, but I've learned from other people. I listen, and I watch, and I apply those things, and, but also it's a work ethic. You have to have work ethic. And anything you do, you know, if you're passionate about it, you do well, you know. So going back to your story,
0: you're you're a chef in Brooklyn. You're managing two independent restaurants. How do you go from there to Omaha, Nebraska?
1: You know, my wife, a woman, a, a woman would do it to you. <laughs> That's the truth, man. They they have a power over us. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I think part of it, I've always liked to travel, and. I've always believed I could change a situation, or I could help influence a situa- situation. So for me, I'm a risk taker. I, th- I like to take risks because I believe in life. If you don't, if you don't take risks, you don't achieve anything. If you fail, you know, at least you try. You know. So when I met my wife, and she told me she lived in Nebraska, I'm like, "What is this place?" Like? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, "Nebraska." I'm mean, like, talk about a young guy in New York. There are all these women around. The city's life." Coming to Nebraska? But for me, it was a challenge. So when I came to Nebraska, I'm like, when I first came to Nebraska, it was 2006. And Bellevue, the hospital wasn't even there. It was mostly cornfield. And I said to myself, wow, people go to bed at 8 o'clock. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? But after three years dating, it was getting to the point that travel every three, four months, you don't know, you don't know the person very well. So I had to make a decision. So because she was a teacher, you know, trying to convince her to leave her job as a teacher. I'm, I know being a teacher is important. You're teaching kids and you're teaching the future. So I didn't want her to leave her job. So me, at that time, I only had my oldest son. And I wasn't really in a serious relationship. I was just dating. So I said, you know what? Then I'm going to move to Nebraska. I took a chance to move to Nebraska. You know, and before I moved here, actually, I had, I had braids. I had long braids and all that. And be, because I believe that Nebraska is very conservative, it's a conservative state, I cut my hair off just to kind of blend in. I'm like, I don't want my hair to be an impediment of me getting a job. And I cut my hair off. I mean, who would do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to fit in, you know? And I realized that, man, I, could, I should have like kept my damn hair. But in <laughs> retrospect, who knows? You know what I mean? Things could have been different. But I moved here, take a chance. And the first place I started working... First place I was working is at Vimos. I was starting, I there for a month, and a guy named Joe, Joe Vaughn, told me, hey, you know, Cedric is looking for for a line cook. So I went over there. Uh, he had me do a couple of dishes. He likes it. And he said, uh, do you want the job? I said, yeah, I want the job. So I started there uh, as a line cook. Then the sous chef left. Uh, a couple of weeks later, then I became the sous chef. And three years later, Cedric opens the bakery now i was winning the show so now people get to know me the customers things like that and i'm very personable so i think and i add my own little flair to the dishes to the specials but we kept the core menu the same but the specials were starting to look like a reflection of me so that's how all this gets started
0: how fun was that for you because you're right like label tears staple menu doesn't change a time. It changes with the seasons, but it, it's mm-hmm. a lot of very French classic dishes, mm-hmm. but it is kind of those specials on the chalkboard that that yeah. you kind of get to play with. How fun was that to you to kind of get to introduce yourself to Omaha through those specials?
1: I mean, it was fun, you know, but you're also taking a chance because most people in Omaha are sticking potatoes, things like that. I'm not saying the palate is hard, but, but what I'm saying is like, you know, here, I, here I'm a Haitian guy coming in, Doing pickles here, you know, put his own little spin because I've I've been cooking away wedding in New York. Like I said, I managed to wrestle in New York, so I kind of bought those things little by little, and people loved it. I think I think part of it is is you 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 embrace the idea and you took it heads on. You know, what I'm saying I had the opportunity to be the chef. Before I was a chef, I had have no control. So anywhere was any Western I've worked, I listen to what the man is telling me. Whoever's in charge. That's why I listen. I go in there, I, I don't know anything because I want to learn as much as possible. Because a lot of times these days, you got, you got those young kids come in. They, they want to be the boss. I'm like, you have not even put no time in. And you know what I mean? They want to go from, from, from school all the way to the top. It doesn't work that way. It does not. You know what I'm saying? And for me, anywhere I've, I've gone, whoever's in charge, that's what I follow. You know, you give me a recipe, I'm going to follow your recipe. Now, in the meantime, I'm trying to add things in my head of how can I trick this, make it my own. Because there's nothing in, in the food industry is really original. It's things people take, they apply it, they add a, a few ingredients, they make it theirs. You know what I'm saying? But also, you have to have love for cooking. You know what I'm saying? Because I could give you a recipe, we both do it the same. Same ingredients. It can come, come out different. It's going to taste different. It just it might taste a little extra salt, a little pepper, whatever. And uh, I, cook, I cook with passion. You have to cook with love. And people always say, what's in the ingredient? I say, love and passion. That's the two <laughs> most important ingredients in there. You know what I mean? But being able to add my own spin to Voltaire you know, was fun. And it got me to this point And people know who's cooking the food back there. You know and I'm saying if something goes wrong, I'm not perfect. And if something goes wrong, I go to the table. I say, how can I help? And perfect example, it was a couple of months ago. This guy came in. He ordered some fish. Now, fish have different density. Some fish is more flaky. Some fish is less. But the fish he had is a little more dense. You know and I'm saying, and we slightly cooked the fish. It was slightly overcooked. And so he was complaining about it. So I go to the table, and I explain myself to, you know, to the gentleman. And he appreciated it. And the fact that I, I went to the table and I had a conversation with him, the experience he had it went out the window. He forgot about what, you know, what he ate. But the experience he had with me through conversation made him feel better. So a lot of time, you could make a mistake in the kitchen, but talking to the guests and approaching them and explaining to them, you know what I'm saying, they appreciate that. And that's why I have continued doing that, you know, from day one. Now... Some days you get tired. I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to talk to 50 <laughs> people. You know what I mean? But I love it, though, because I get energy from people. So I love going out there and talk to people. I love it.
0: Well, I think that's a big part of the reason why you mentioned Labelter, you know, gets so many repeat customers is because... Even when you make a mistake, you're willing to admit that mistake. And I think that's really hard to do. Like you mentioned, you have an ego. I have an ego. We all have (laughs) egos. It sucks to say I screwed up, especially if you know that the customer isn't necessarily right. (laughs) Like sometimes, yes, the fish is overcooked. Sometimes it might just not be cooked to their personal preference. But it can be so important to just be willing to humble yourself and say, you know what, let's just have a conversation about this. I'm willing to listen to your opinion. We don't have to get up in arms about anything, but we can just have a a legit conversation and try and, try and come to some middle ground here.
1: I mean, I think I think one of the biggest things I think all chefs should be able to do is own your mistakes. Because at the end of the day, admitting that you made mistakes actually make you a better person than trying to finagle your way around, uh, you know, I don't know what happened, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like only the mistakes. If I make a mistake, I own it. And if my staff make a mistake, I own it. You know and I'm saying I don't blame them, you know what I'm saying? If if I'm in the kitchen around, somebody make a mistake, it's my fault. If the service come back, say, hey, where's the food? It's my fault. You know what I'm saying? Because I think if you do that, people respect you more, you know, people believe in you, but it shows your character. But when you make a mistake and you're blaming somebody else then you're going go then you're gonna go into life blaming other people for your shortcomings and I think it, it makes you a better leader you know to be a leader you have to be able to admit, admit when you want that's a leader you know I think a lot of times people like titles i mean i don't care for titles. I wash dishes, I clean bathroom I don't care you know what I mean for me it's not about the titles it's accomplishing a goal we're here we're not here to you know, do medical surgery on people. We're here, you know, not to save lives, but we're here to make somebody happy. So when people come to a restaurant, they're spending money, they want to be happy. Now, some people, some people might come to the door, had a bad day. My goal is to make sure when they leave the door, they had a good day. You know what I'm saying? So I'm a people's person. I'll, I, I thrive on that. So owning the mistakes helps you become a better leader. And I think in every profession, you leaders. You know, whether it's doing this like you're doing is leading by example. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's my code of honor. I, b- I believe
0: that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned in New York, one of the restaurants that you worked at was a French fusion restaurant. And um, obviously, you know, working at Les Voltaire all your time in Omaha, that, that's very classic French cooking as well. Mm. Is there something about... French cuisine that drew you in or were those just the job opportunities that were presented to you at the time? I
1: think part of it is the job opportunity, but part of it being Haitian, like I said, is a lot of the food is French influence and African influence. And I believe when you combine those two cultures, you get good things out of the food. And cooking is not just putting something in the pan. There's a science behind it, even when you're seeing a chicken. So if you see a chicken on high heat, all you do is burning the skin. But if you do it on a medium heat, you brown the skin. So there's a science to cooking. And I've developed, you know, part of it you have to have a passion for, for what you do. I think in any job, if you have a passion for it, you take your time to know, okay, what's worked, what doesn't work, you learn the science behind it. But if you're just doing it because of a paycheck, those things go over your head. You know what I'm saying? So you have to develop a passion for something. I think in you know, a French cuisine, I've always, you know, been mostly French, whether it's classical French or whether it's fusion. I've always have a palate for those two culture. You know, what I'm saying because French has a big history in terms of cuisine. You know, but also Af, Africa has a big cuisine. You know, influence in in cooking also. It's two different methods, but it's culture. You know, is I think the more you learn about somebody else's culture the better you are as a human being. You know, you could relate to people. And I think food and drink bring people together. We could be two separate ideas of whether it's politics or religion, but when it comes to food, it brings people together. You know what I'm saying? So that's why when I moved here in Omaha, I'm like, it was a culture shock. Because in New York, I mean, I know a lot of white people in New York. They're completely different than some people here because they're surrounding they surround themselves with other ethnicity. It's a melting pot. In Brooklyn, New York, it's a melting pot. There's all types of people. And you learn to appreciate people's culture. You may not agree with everything somebody do, but you learn to appreciate their culture. Coming out of here was a, little, was a little hard. I'm like, damn, this place is completely different. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I've learned to adapt. And I think my personality, people, people respect that. People accept that. Because I'm I'm coming from a place of energy, from a good heart, you know. People could see through that, you know. So being able to being a French and a Voltaire, and meeting different people and people embrace me, and you know, it feels good.
0: You said that you adapted coming from New York to Omaha. How yeah. did you adapt?
1: I uh, Adapt that now everything's gonna be 100 miles an hour. Yeah, you know I mean I've definitely looked. not. Life <laughs> is slower yeah. here. Yeah, life is slower. <laughs> you know, people take their time to do things. People here are very friendly. You know, I've learned to adapt that now everyone's gonna go to bed at two o'clock in the morning. You know and I mean, I've learned that Omaha doesn't have the clubs and things like that, but mostly a dive bar. You know, that's what people do. There's things to do in Omaha. It's just maybe I'm not used to it. You know. I love na- I love looking at nature, but I don't want to be in nature. You know what I mean? So I don't do hiking, none of those things. You know, but you learn to appreciate that, you learn to accept that each person might be different. They might have different views of life, things like that. But as long as you, we all have something in common. We all want the best school. We all want this. We all want this. We might think different on how we're going to get there, but we're all the same people. And I think if people sit down and have conversation with one another, we'd be better off in the long run.
0: Mm -hmm. I think part of the way that you have that conversation is through food. And one thing that I've loved about Learning more about you both in this conversation and in my research coming into this is I was completely ignorant to Haitian cuisine. I didn't know what it was. I didn't understand that it had French influence at all. Like that was completely foreign to me. And through your cooking, you have a way to express that and explain that to people that this er, people understand what French cuisine is. Like that's very widely recognized. Yeah. But there are. There are ways that you can kind of teach about Haitian culture and Haitian cooking through French food. How important is that to you to be able to kind of express and introduce Haiti and your cultures and your cuisine through your cooking?
1: I mean, it's very important in, in, because, one, Haiti has a rich history. We are the second, we are the first black country in the hemisphere to get its independence. 1804. January 1st, 1804. The United States was the first country to get its independence you know, to the British 1776. So we have a long history, rich history but if people look at Haiti today you know, it's a poor country. It's always in turmoil in terms of political unrest, disaster, earthquakes, those type of situations. And the only thing people know about Haiti is something bad happened. You know, they don't know the good side of the history of the country. So me, as a, as a Haitian person living in Omaha, working in a French restaurant, you know, a lot of the food we do, you know, a lot of Haitian food we do, part of it is French influence. So I want to kind of bring that to the table. Because I want to represent what my country is. Even though it's poor, but we're full of life. You know we wish in terms of ideas and culture and things like music, you know we love to play dominoes. So for us, when I look at Haiti, how people there are poor as hell, but they're still going on with their life. When I look at this country, and I see how people take their little things, become big things, people are going through mental stress. I mean, some of it is genetic. But a lot of it, I think, is the environment we're in. We're so stressed in terms of how to make money, how to do this, you know what I'm saying, that we forget how to live. I think life is for the living. Because at the end of the day, when you die, you can't take nothing with you. And we have to learn how to live, respect one another. We may not agree with each other. That's just life, you know. But be able to live, be able to smile. And I, I think smiling and laughing is important. I smile all day, you know what I mean, I could be stressed the hell out, but I'm smiling. You've smiled through like
0: <laughs> 85% of this conversation, if not more. And it, it just makes it fun.
1: Yeah. You know, you have to have fun. You have to have fun because your heart's needed. Yeah. Your soul needs it. So how do you teach these lessons through food? I mean, you teach it through food by applying what you know, what you're passionate about, but also explaining to the person that you're talking to your experience. Because we all have experience. Everybody has experience. And I think each person want to share the experience with somebody else. They may be afraid to share the experience. They may be timid. They may be shy. Or it could be personality. Like my wife is, she's incredibly smart. And a lot of times, half of the things I'm telling you is because I listen to her. Like she'll tell me things. But she's not a social person like me. So I take what I learn from her and I apply it socially. Because I mean, I'm a social person. I could go in any room, meet somebody, and we're talking like we know each other for years. That's just my personality. So I think having that personality, being able to you know, embrace somebody else's culture or situation and listen. Because I think a lot of times what we don't do very well, we don't listen to each other. We talk over each other. Instead of listening to see where the person coming from. Because at the end of the day, what that, what that person is telling you is something maybe you experience, something your family members experience or a loved one or you know someone who experienced that. So being able to have conversation and listen to each other will be in a lot better shape. And I think it's, you know, will it be less stress, will it have less medical problem. Because I think a lot of time people go to hospitals and spend money because they got a headache. Me, I got a headache. I'm, I just, it's a headache. You know, I let it pass. But I think being able to have conversation with people, you learn that you have a lot in common than
0: that. I would like you to kind of expand upon that point about sharing knowledge and um, through your food by explaining a dish that you served us this past Friday. And it was a chicken dish uh, that was very, it looked, it was presented in a very French manner, but you said it was one of the first dishes you cooked in New York and it featured a mango barbecue sauce that had a lot of flavors that were very uh, familiar with Haitian cuisine, Mm -hmm. can you just describe that dish to me and kind of how that tells a story of who you
1: are and where you've come from? So that dish has sweetness, it has spice, it has affection and passion. So it's tomatoes, lots of garlic, ginger. Ginger is something that African cuisine use a lot. Ginger and garlic, they use that a lot. You know, so I blend those. Uh, mango, which is a food that if you go to Haiti, there's mango everywhere. There's all types of mango. So I use mango, brown sugar, and I, and I use soy sauce to kind of combine the flavor. But I think with food, if you're passionate about it, you can see it. And I, I decided, you know what, I finally own Voltaire. I'm going to do something that I have not done at Voltaire. That's something that I know people are going to enjoy that's going to represent who I am. And that's why I did it. And I'm thinking I'm putting a menu moving forward because I sold, I think I sold at least 30 chicken in two days. <laughs> I mean, we never sold that much chicken in two days. You know what I mean? Think about it. I sold, that was one of the most popular dishes. We had Friday and Saturday. And people loved it. And I did it with the John, John rice. So John, John is dry mushroom. So in Haiti, we have some uh, jo- dry mushroom where we boil the hell out of it and we extract the color and the flavor. And we strain the, the mushroom, put it in the trash, but we keep the liquid. And we add um, a Tree tree is like a dry shrimp. So we add tree, dry shrimp, garlic, maggie, uh, chicken cubes, you know what I'm saying, and uh, green peas. I didn't put green peas because it was wasudo so I figured it was the peas would get lost you know, the cooking process. So I'll make the green peas. But, and I use the wazudo. So wazudo is more Italian. So I use that, you know, technique instead of just using regular basmati rice. So that's how I make the wazudo the, the jonjon. And I serve vegetables and the mango barbecue sauce. And you got a perfect dish. Mm-hmm. It fits the soul. You know, it has the spice, it has culture, it has innovation. And people loved it.
0: I think that dish brings us to a really interesting spot in this conversation, and that Le Voltaire is a very established restaurant in Omaha. It's yep. been around for a long time. The menu has other than the specials has become relatively stable. Like when people go into La Voltaire, they kind of know what to expect. But at the same time, you know, you're you're describing a dish that you introduced and it's brand new. And it's very different than what people were expecting. And they absolutely loved it. So now that you're the owner, how do you kind of balance those two things in respecting that people love what Label Voltaire is, but also being able to show your personality and introducing them to new things that they might not know yet, but you think that they will love? How do you balance those
1: two? So the way I'm going to balance is I'm keeping the core menu what it is, because that's what people know about it. But to specials, I plan to sitting a little bit, little bit of me on the plate, little by little, and once people taste it, seize it, then they'll slowly will adapt to it. Because I want Voltaire to be a special place, not just because it's a French cuisine, but I want people to understand Haitian food also, but embrace Different ideas, different culture. So when they come in, because I'm voted to be the only place in Omaha where you're going to come, you're going to get French food, but you're going to get to experience Wilson at the same time on the plate. And I think to food, to culture, people love that. People are very open minded to stuff, they just never had somebody who did it. So I want to be the first one who did it. And uh, I'm sure other places in New York. People are doing it, you know, in other states. But in Omaha, I don't think we have that. And I think once people see that and embrace it, Omaha is going to be the spot to go to get a a fusion, a guy from Haiti cooking French food, but also little by little implement his culture. But I also want people to understand, you know, the history of Haiti. It's not just the food, but you have to understand the passion of the people, you know I'm saying we hear the news, earthquake, people die, and things like that. People feel bad about it because pe- people in this country are very compassionate once you get to know them. You know, don't listen to the news network and all the media, all the stuff, you know, all this noise. I mean, once you get to know people, people have a lot of passion in this country. You know what I'm saying? And I want to share that passion with them, you know, get a little bit of the history of the Haiti, you know, to understand where we're coming from, where different culture come from. And I think in the end, People will embrace it, and people will be better off for it in the end.
0: What you just described is so exciting to me. I got goosebumps during <laughs> that answer. Like, I, I'm so excited at just the the things that you have planned, the ways that you want to introduce history through food. Is there any dish in particular, whether it's something you've served already or something that you hope to serve in the future, that you think really embodies that idea or something that you're really excited about, I can't wait to introduce Omaha to this because it represents
1: this. Is, is there anything in your brain like that? I mean, there's a couple of dishes, which I've done one called Subjumo. So Subjumo is... Freedom soup, right? Freedom soup. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of a soup that the, the slave could not eat, only the masters could eat. So when we got our independence, that was more of a celebration Dish that the people eat they play dominoes, they were drinking and that because something they could not have when they finally be able to have it think about it something you can't have but all of a sudden you could have it that idea that wow, it's like kind of a lift off your shoulder I could have this shit I could have it now and I'm going to own it so that soup represents the culture represents the trial and tribulation, and also victory. In every battle, people wound, there's wound, and there's victory. You know what I'm saying? To be able to experience both sides of the corn, you experience wounded. you know what I'm saying? The hardness. But now you experience, okay, now I could have this. It feels good. And it's very simple, but it's a good soup. You know, it has beef, it has pumpkin, it has everything. Another dish I want to introduce is called legume. So legume is similar to you know, where you have all the vegetables, your eggplant, but we add other stuff to it. We add meat, or we could add chicken, beef. You know what I'm saying? We add still the same eggplant. So it's almost something we took from France, from the French culture, and we put our own spin into it. So that's, one, that's not the thing I want to introduce. There's a lot of Haitian food I want to introduce. But some of them can't find the ingredients here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like because we don't have a Haitian population. And you could order from Amazon, things like that, but it's not something you could walk to the store, drive to the store and get. So it's those type of things I introduce. You know what I'm saying? African culture. I want to introduce African culture to my specials. Not, African, not doing African food, but in terms of using some of the ingredients. Because a lot of the ingredients we use, are the culture use them. But it's how you prepare it. And it's also the passion you put, the energy you put behind it. So, when I do a dish and I go to the table, I talk to the guests, they could see the passion coming to me. So, then now they get more excited. You know what I'm saying? And if the food looks good, I always tell my, my guys, if what you're serving looks good, the brains tells, tell that person, this looks good, it's gonna taste good. Even if they taste it, and they'll be like, ah, you but eat the your brains eyes first. Yeah, the brains already tell them already, it looks good, it tastes good. So they're not worried about what it's tasting, the fact that the brewery really suggests to them that this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, and you get meat, talk to you, oh, that's even a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> that is
0: definitely a bonus. Yes. No doubt about that. So along those lines, you're talking about you know the specials and using the specials to kind of introduce people to these new dishes. I would encourage anyone listening to follow Le Voltaire on Instagram because you guys, especially over the past couple of weeks, I've noticed, have done a very good job of updating uh it's either wednesday or thursday i think what's coming up with the weekend specials and there's a quick description of the dishes there's mm-hmm. some pictures so that's a great way to kind of take a look at the menu even before you walk in and be like "Ooh, th- there's that freedom soup that i heard about on the podcast i would love to try that yeah maybe you know you look on instagram and say okay this is the weekend that i can do that um unfortunately we are up against it on time i could talk to you for hours, Wilson. And I feel like if you, if this whole cooking thing for whatever reason doesn't work out, I think you have a second career as a motivational speaker that is just (laughs) sitting right there for you. This has just been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for coming on and just giving us some knowledge. I would love to have you back sometime in the future. And I can't wait to go back to La and eat more of your food and, and learn more. Um, ab- 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 about new cuisines, about new backgrounds, and about history. Just thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you. I love talking to people, so
0: I'll be back. All right. Sounds good, my friend. As always, Omaha, thanks for eating with us.
1: Ahura Media Production.